Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost in Possession football podcast. Three mates, three different teams, three very different opinions. So we had another huge week of football. We break everything down. We discuss City versus Liverpool, the Champions League fixtures. Will there be any comebacks this week? And also the current state of Manchester United and the managerial situation. Um, without further ado, Jamie, we have to start with you. Two all at the weekend. How are you feeling? So before the game started, I literally said to you, you two both went, oh, after all the hype and the media, it's going to be nil-nil. And to be honest, I would have taken that before the game. However, I feel like it was such a missed opportunity to win and extend our sort of sort of points over Liverpool. I felt first half, we were much the better team. I think Liverpool probably had one or two attacks. Obviously, they scored. Um, there was also the Edison call as you like, slight, slight error that he just then didn't care that the ball was touching the line and then calmly passed it out. Um, we deserve to be 2-1 up at half-time and just annoyingly, we fell asleep in the in, after half-time and as good Liverpool are, they will punish you. Um, probably as neutrals, you might have enjoyed the game more than me because it's more about nerves <laughs> that in the big games like this. But I still am I'm frustrated. I came out of the game thinking we should have won that. Um, yeah, what did you two make of the game then? So, Reese, I'll, I'll let you kick us off. Yeah, I think it was a really good game between the two best teams in England and the two best teams for the last four or five years or so. Um, both teams aren't afraid to go at each other. Both teams have the quality to have a go at each other. And it made quite a good spectacle, actually. I think City should have really gone into that half-time interval with about 3-4-1 up. Um, missed some really guilty chances from them, really, to put that game to bed. But fair play to Liverpool. Clock game, the kick up the backside they needed. Went straight out and scored, I think. I think you don't see that enough from teams. Um, and that really shook City for a while. And then after that, I think I think the game started to settle down. I think both teams realised that they'll probably be quite happy for a point without risking losing losing all three. So yeah, it was a good game. And I think I think a draw was a fair result. But I think I think we can't forget that Liverpool were very, very poor at the start. Yeah, I I'd agree. I mean, I think I think it was a game of two halves. City clearly, you know, dominant in the first half, but you, you cannot start a second half like that. You, you've got to switch on. Phenomenal assist by Salah, you know, really was a good goal, um, but you, you've got to switch it on. As we said, two all keep keeps the, the, the title race just about alive. Obviously, benefits City, um, but on balance, Jamie, I, I do agree. Looking back at some of those chances, that Mares one kind of last kick. Oh. It, 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 I think when you review it, you'll probably be a little bit more gutted uh, not to come out with a goal, you know, late goal in that. Um, and, and in terms of the run-in, I know you said potentially there's a couple of slip-ups. Is there any main fixtures that stand out to you as potential, you know, banana skins, as it were? Um, I think it's... What's annoying is I find this is going to be the most tricky game and it hasn't been... I haven't got a schedule for it yet. So it's Wolves away. And at the moment, there's sort of there's two there's only two weeks it can go into. 
Um, I don't know with the Champions League whether that changes things, but one of them could be generally a few days before the final game of the season, which would make that massive. And then you've got to go and play, you know, Liverpool legend Gerrard, Coutinho, all very up for that last game. But if you go back to sort of the City-Liverpool one, obviously City and Liverpool are favourites against every team they play, apart from when we play each other, really. I think I think that's the only times we're not. Maybe against Chelsea, but that's I I don't know. I can't remember the odds to be perfectly honest. But yeah, I'm I'm confident we can still go and win it. Uh, I see us beating every team, but it's that Wolves away game that I find in is gonna be a big one. Yeah, I mean Liverpool, we've we've all been we've all been pretty you know complimentary of Wolves already in the podcast. Yeah. You know, consistently performing solid, pretty. You know, nine times out of ten, solid defensively. Um, so, for the sake of the neutrals, let's hope there is a, a slip up or two on the way. Do you not think? Do you not think Watford at home could be a slip up? I mean, Roy Hodgson's done it against you before, and then um, I think that you've got Leeds away as well. I think Leeds will be okay uh, by then, but but they're playing some excellent stuff. Leeds worries me more than Watford. Watford, like I'm probably going to jinx this, but we do. We've got such a great record against Watford. And the game at Watford, if that game ended 10-0, no one could have gone, oh, that was a bit of a bit of a battering. That was a shock that it was that many. It should have been 10 kind of thing. But then the Leeds game, I do agree that can that can happen. Leeds are on their day, can be just an f- unpredictable, phenomenal side. They haven't shown it enough this season, but obviously with the new manager. I'm hoping that new manager hype, you know, turns down by then. So it's more, yeah, I, f- I just think Wolves have been playing so well at the moment. Then, to be fair, we've also got West Ham away. And we did go there in the Cowboy Cup and drew nil-nil, lost on penalties. I'm hoping they're still in Europa to distract them. Yeah, that, that's a big factor because uh, West Ham, you know, they're, they're, they're unlikely now, regardless of what happens, to get the top four. So it could be a sort of on the beach situation if they were to get knocked out of Europa. Um, so you'll certainly be kind of hoping for that, I think. No, I'd prefer them to be in Europa because that means they've got to rest players for Europa. Oh, uh, true, true. That's a good point, if actually. But they still could be fighting for Europa if they're knocked out. So that's why I want them to be yeah. in Europa rather than knocked out and the only game they've got to prepare for is City. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. I and, and, and kind of moving, well, keep, keeping on the subject of City-Liverpool, been a lot of kind of speculation, well, not speculation, but more debate, um, you know, this week on social media about where does the City-Liverpool rivalry rank in terms of historic Prem battles? Um, I believe it was Carragher, again, Mr. Voice of yeah. Reason, who, who <laughs> maybe said City-Liverpool. Um, so where, I guess we'll have some different opinions on this. Reese initially, wh- wh- where do you stand on that? I mean, yeah, I can see where Carrier is coming from. I think, I think this is a massive rivalry, and I think it's a rivalry that the Premier League has lacked for a very long time. I believe you need two teams that set the bar, um, and it gives everyone else something to match up to. And I think they've done fantastic. And what's good about the rivalry as well is they're very competitive. You know, there's goals every single time they play each other, and in a way, you just don't know who's going to win. Um, I can see where a lot of people come from and say Arsenal Man U is probably the the, the bigger rivalry of the two. Um, 
I think a lot of people said that because it was a obviously a bit more feisty on the pitch with tackles going in and Vieira and Keane and Wenger and Ferguson always having arguments and two very different styles of football as well. You know, a very much sort of northern grit of United versus a very southern cockney flair of of Arsenal with a lot of foreign stars. So I think if the City-Liverpool game had a little bit more tough tackles in it, I think it would surpass that, especially with the Liverpool-Manchester rivalry. But to me, I think Arsenal-Manchester United defined the Premier League. I think that really put it on the map. And I think we haven't seen anything like that since. But it's close. It's a close second. No, that's fair. Overall, I don't agree with Carragher. I don't think it is... It could be because we could go on for the next four or five years and it is just us two battling. But what Carragher, I think the point Carragher's getting at is when Arsenal and United had their sort of rivalry, they were never the best two teams in probably Europe slash the world. Whereas you can argue City and Liverpool are. The only team I think that comes close to stopping that being the top two is Bayern. Like Chelsea might have won the yeah, you don't agree, Reese, but Chelsea might have won the Champions League last season, but despite winning it, that you can't say they were the best team overall, like the throughout the the whole consistency. Jordan might disagree just <laughs> for his own goggles over there. But <laughs> you've got like that's where I think Carragher is coming from. We we do play both play exciting football. I know people say City play boring football, but that's because people have 10, 11 men behind the ball. It's not my fault. It's not our fault that they're playing the boring football that might make people think it's boring. But overall, there's not the rivalry that, like you said, with Keane and Vieira going at each other just in the tunnel kind of thing. It's not like that. There's much more, I'd say, it's not, I wouldn't say respect it, but it is kind of that. I, I don't know a better word of saying that. Yeah. yeah, football has changed as well. But if we are talking about tackles, I just don't think red cards are allowed anymore if you're watching Anthony Taylor yesterday. Oh, don't get me started on that guy. Um, <laughs> Tiago makes three blatant fouls that are all bookings just by themselves. One given. One got given a foul for him, which I, I just don't get it. I know you hate him as well, George. Yeah, um, hopefully my Netflix documentary exposing the uh, fraud that is Anthony Taylor will come out in a few years. Um, but no, I, I won't spend too much on, on him. Um, in terms of my take on this, I, I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I think being realistic to, to call this the greatest rivalry of all time, um, you know, you look at Liverpool, who have what won one Premier League in 30 years. You know, sorry, Liverpool fans, but that's that's the whole card, cold hard reality. You know, City on on, on the flip side in, in Europe, still without a European trophy. Can you call that the greatest two teams in the Premier League? Yeah, probably not. However, I don't know if I can agree with that because Arsenal never won one. Yeah, fair. But yeah, in, in terms of the history, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I do have a counterpoint. I'm not. I'm not completely against <laughs> it. So I think what City and Liverpool have done is kind of raised the bar and raised the standard of what it takes to win the Premier League. Um, although yes, Liverpool have only won one in, in 30 years. They've pushed City all the way for the last kind of two, three years consistently. Um, and just looking at a stat, so so since the 2018-2019 um, season, in terms of the Premier League points, 
City are on 3-3-8, Liverpool are on 3-3-7. So you talk about consistency for a few years and that really is something pretty special. Um, but as Ree said, I'd probably have to go with the sort of the Arsenal United rivalry. And obviously my, the, the buyer side might chuck in the uh, the Chelsea Man U rivalry where there, it was only back and forth between them. Um, and obviously during that time they met in, in the Champions League final as well. Um, but moving swiftly on, straight on to the Champions League. Again, a lot of kind of mega ties going on this week and a lot of potential, um, possibly unlikely comebacks could be on the cards. Um, do, do we see any big comebacks being pulled off this week at all? In terms of big, I don't know if it is, but Bayern versus Villarreal is the one you look at thinking the most likely to overcome the result that just happened. I think all three of us last week had a Bayern win. I can't remember yeah. if you, if one of you didn't, but I, I certainly did. But it sounded like Bayern were lucky it was only 1-0. I, I be honest, I haven't yeah. watched the game, but there was a they did score another goal bit around. I think it was either offside or I think it was offside. Yeah. But to to pull off that result and then Villarreal, you know, on the weekends, they made eleven changes to their team. <laughs> the that. goalie the goalie even got a rest just so he can go and play Bayern in the midweek. So they're fresh. <laughs> they're up for it. But that I don't see Bayern not getting through with the home advantage now. It's one yeah. nil still, but yeah, Reese, yeah. I, I know you've not been quite as keen on Bayern. Do you, do you do you still think they'll make it? Obviously, being at home. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll still go through. Um, I'm not critical of Bayern. I think they've got a world class manager in Nagelsmann, but they're losing to teams that they should beat. They've shown it all through in, in the Bundesliga this season. They're lucky that they are a one team league, really. Um, and I'm not too shocked that Villarreal did give them a tough game. Um, but I, I do think Bayern Munich will have enough in them to turn it round at the Allianz there. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's hard to not see Bayern winning that one, even if Villarreal push them to the end, because Villarreal will believe that they can go through. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm sure the bookies probably agree, you know, odds wise, Bayern will still be kind of favourites to to qualify. However, yeah. you know, look, looking at it, yes, Bayern haven't been their best. Um, in the slightest. However, Villarreal form, um, Villarreal's away form this season has just not been good enough. Um, I think they've only won, it might be in the league, but they've only won three games away um, oh, in the entirety God. of this season. Um, you know, and it's just, you know I, I know it's different. I know the players are rested, um, but maybe, maybe it'll be a good evening for uh, Unai Emery. Um, so let, let, let's talk City yeah. Atletico. Wow, Jesus! Surely, two, surely not. Two, oh, they, well, they didn't actually have a shot. So if it keeps up like that, they definitely aren't getting through, are they? <laughs> I think it was like one of the first times since they sort of did stats for the Champions League that a team hadn't had a single shot. Not even one. They had one. They, they offside they had, or something? Because because I, I remember seeing a shot at least. They had one a or shot, two. and it was it was offside. Oh, okay, so that that was their only shot. So right. they had to be offside just to get a shot away. But <laughs> you you hear eleven men behind the ball, but it's normally it normally is ten with a striker. This was two back lines of five. It was and then the keeper. There was like you saw their game plan was right. Get the ball, hook it left, 
or sorry, down their right to our left back, who was Ake at the time, and hopefully we'll get there. But there was there was nothing from them that suggested to me that they are going to be able to go and open up a bit more expansively against us. And I think if they did, we'll certainly get a goal. And then they've got to go and score well two for extra time penalties, three to win it. And I don't see us conceding three. Could, and... could you argue the case that, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, Simeone kind of went with a, a new five five zero formation yeah. in that game. Um, I know they didn't offer much. I would probably make the argument that that's what everyone expected though. So they weren't ever going to, you know, they were going to try and nick a goal, you know, on the counter. You can't have zero but, shots and be expected. That's the no, difference. I mean, that's the, that's yeah. the difference in it. I get what you're saying. You do yeah. expect it to be attack versus defence. But I'd have expected them to have at least two shots in a game. At least, yeah. at least off target. Nothing was off target. That's how bad. Yeah, it was. Like, it, imagine travelling to England to go and watch your team not have a single shot. Yeah, I mean, you'd like, be... Yeah, you'd be pretty wound up. That's just not acceptable. Like, you can play badly, but you want you see your team to have, what, one shot? Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I'm quite co- I'm confident that we're going to get through because I don't see them being able to be more expansive without conceding. Yeah. I, I, just a final point from my side. I think I, I with City's kind of history of, of Champions League and a little bit of kind of inexperience in that side, I do think, and you know, the the kind of raucous crowd at the the Wanda Metropolitana, an early goal or maybe a dodgy penalty or something like that could potentially flip the game on its head. I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're going to start, you know, free-flowing passes having 10 shots, but I think there is a small, small chance that you could just see something like that where the crowd gets behind them, dodgy decision, early goal, and City just buckle and you get an interesting game. Um, obviously, for the neutrals, we, we hope that happens and it's a good contest. <laughs> but, Reese, what, what side what side are you on in, on this one? Uh, well, as I mentioned last week, I think Atletico were going to be happy to go there and know that they're not out of the tie. Um, I think they would have taken a 1-0 defeat, maybe even a 2-0. Um, regardless of what people think of their tactics, this is what you've come to expect from a Simeone team. They're successful for that reason. They're bucking the trend of of what you have in football these days. And I think I think a lot's been made about the way they played. And I think that is what Atletico, particularly Simeone, thrive on. They know everyone's going to be like, oh, they play defensive, play this, play that. So they're going to welcome it. They're going to let City come down there, you know, come down to the Metropo- Wanda Metropolitana, I think it's pronounced. They're going to go there. And I'm not going to be surprised about Atletico try and hold them late and nick one to take the game to extra time at the very least. I, I wouldn't be shocked um, because I think they, they know how to get out of a situation like that. So I think City are either going to have to change tactically or they're going to have to go for it at the start to put the game to bed so that Atletico have nothing to actually... I think that first goal, that. for me, yeah, the, the, the first goal was the deciding factor. City get it, game over. Atletico get it. You know, again, you know, you know what they can do with the time waste and the you know game management. Um, I think, yeah, if they score first, we could be in for a long night. Um, so, is it even worth us discussing the possibility of a Benfica comeback? 
Uh, never say never. I'm saying never. If they if they get um, a goal first, they're in it. You know, Liverpool have proven that if you can attack them a little bit, they can be a little bit open. But I mean, I don't see Benfica going through. But you know, they've proven that they've got a bit of fight in them. So I don't see why again. Yeah, Jamie, any any hope from you? I'd love it if I could see you know. Otamendi get a hat trick of headers and then go through for free, but huh. realistically, it's 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 over. If that, I reckon that could generally end seven one, seven two on aggregate kind of thing. It yeah, it's it's annoying for me. I, if it stayed at two one, without the late-ish goal from Liverpool, I think there's a bit more of a game involved. But Liverpool can rest players. They've just had obviously a game against City. They've got a game against. We've got a game against City. At the, for the FA Cup I think they might even rest one or two of them Salah probably won't play Let and they've got they've got the players to play there you can play Mane, Diaz and uh, Firmino it's not a bad front three is it that's yeah. good enough to beat Benfica yeah nah I think yeah you're <laughs> right you know, the, the third goal really you know was, was the killing blow um, speaking of third goals being the killing blow <laughs> Uh, Chelsea versus Real Madrid. I'll let you boys start. Do you give us any chance? Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would have written Chelsea off um, after their poor show against Brentford, but, and then obviously to get rattled by, let's be honest, what was an exceptional Benzema performance. I mean, that header was just, both headers were just world-class. I think this... Again, wouldn't look too much into a 6-0 thumping at Southampton. I mean, they once a year they have a hiding, so it doesn't really matter for them. But I think they'll go in there with confidence. I think they know that if they do get a goal, that they could rattle Madrid. You know, Ancelotti's been tactically a little bit questionable this season, and I think, I think they have to be careful. But I do look at Real Madrid and I think they do know how to get it done. We could argue this is one of the worst Real Madrid teams in many years but they're still there. You know, they still know how to get it done. And and I think Chelsea might just come up short. They, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they won 1-0 maybe or or waited until the end. But yeah, they, it is a hard one. It is, it is tough because I see Madrid scoring one and then that, well, that puts you on four one. So you've got to go and score three. And without... Sort of, unless you turn up on your day and your players are firing, but you haven't seen it enough from your strikers this season. Your, I don't know if your top goal scorer is still Chilwell or James, <laughs> like no, it's no, sort of Mendy or something. I, I think yeah. Like, yeah, but like that's the thing. Like I don't see you can do it. You have the players to do it. You can go and rock up there and win three 0 but it's. I, it's just looking a bit too difficult and you're not in the best form, I think. I think Tuchel's found it a bit hard, probably from around Christmas time. Like you've not been awful, but some Christmas times where you've dropped your points yeah. and I think he's finding it a bit difficult. Um, with the Real Madrid one, I think it's just with Benzema playing in the form he is, I see him getting in one one more goal in this tie, and then that will just, I think, put the curtains down for Chelsea. 
Yeah. I, I, what about you then, George? For me, it's been a bit of a roller coaster of a week, emotions on the, you know, on this game. Um, I after the game last week, I was very much sort of resigned to the fact that that, that Mendy error had kind of buried us in the tie. Because um, although you know Tuchel said it himself that the first half performance in that game for us was, was genuinely one of the worst, you know, under Tuchel. Um, the players just weren't up to speed. We were leaving too many gaps. And, and Benzema run right, as we saw, um, you know, not taking anything away from him. Two absolutely, you know, 10 out of 10 headers. Um, however, despite an awful half, we were still in the game at 2-1. Tuchel made subs at half time. The crowd was really fired up. And then one minute later, Mendy does that and, and, and the game's over. So I, that just deflated the crowd and, and kind of... Yeah, buried a lot of hope and momentum. With However, that goal though, George. Just, I just sorry to cut you off, but with that goal, was it purely just Mendy's fault? Because I thought Rudiger's tackle was such an odd position for a defender. Yeah, like if he went, if he went right, I'm putting it. I'm going to put Benzema and the ball in Rosette. You don't concede then. Yeah. Or, but the only other argument is if he fucks that up, he's off, and then you're even more in the problem. But. Yeah. I still think he he was close enough to winning that to get you out of it. Yeah, it's no, Mendy's you... it's Mendy's fault overall. Like, but I still think Rudiger probably could have done a lot better there. Yeah, no, you're right. Obviously, I was at the game and and everyone was blaming Mendy initially, um, and, it, and it was awful for Mendy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but going going back home and watching the replay, you're absolutely right. Rudiger, I think Rudiger um, left. With I think he led with his his left foot, and basically he was already on a yellow card. Um, so pretty much, if I don't know, we can debate it to the to the cars come home. But in my opinion, if he's not already booked, he might, as you said, just just clatter it through, go into Rose Ed. But sadly, yeah, he, he could have put his his foot through it. Should take some of the responsibility. Um, however. If there's any ever going to be a game at the weekend or a result or performance that gives you a glimmer of hope, it is battering Southampton. They've been good this season. I know Rishi said they're on and off, but 6-0 in, against any Premier League team, especially away from home, while you're in bad form, is, is you know, a, a good, massive confidence boost. So all I'm going to say is we beat Southampton 6-0 away. We battered Real Madrid last season. And Real Madrid have lost this season at the Bernabeu to Barcelona 4-0. That's all I'm going to say. There's a glimmer. There's a glimmer of hope is what I'm trying to say. What a yeah. different team for Chelsea would be if they had someone like Benzema up front, eh? It'd be yeah. Well, we said that about Lukaku and, and you know, Two that's not worked out. Different of player. Don't well, worry about that. Look, <laughs> everyone forgets the front three that we had, you know, against Southampton, Werner, Havertz, Mount. That is the duo that won us the... Ch- sorry, that's the trio that won us the Champions League. So we, we can't forget that. They've got a start for me. Um, and again, if we get an early goal, you know what the Bernabeu's like. The fans are ridiculously toxic. So an early goal, fans, you know, drop their heads. Maybe there's a glimmer. Speaking of the topic of hope, uh, let's move on to Manchester United because I think they're in desperate, <laughs> desperate need it's of the wrong hope. word, I think. Miracles, everything. <laughs> they, they need everything you know and with easter time being the time of miracles and rebirths and you know resur- resurrections in this case man i 
could hopefully look to that as some sort of inspiration. But I mean, let's be honest, they're an absolute shambles at the moment. And I think, I mean, I, I don't, I just don't know what to say. Losing to a poor, poor Everton side, you know, you think they'd be there for the taking. And once again, they failed to deliver. What do you both think of this topic? Okay. What do you think of this Man United situation? You Jamie's know? just sitting there like, absolutely loving it. Oh, this is great. <laughs> uh, we're, top, we're top of the league and they are looking dreadful. Uh, I think they're at, like, I generally will just go, they're at the top four race. I don't see them turning it around. They've got to play Liverpool. I know Spurs do as well, but Spurs are at least in some good form. I don't see who would bring United out of this. Ronaldo is not going to bring him out of this. He's smashing up little boys' phones. Like, absolute pathetic that was, by the way. That kid wasn't even doing anything wrong from what I saw. But oh, it's it's great to see. I like how the mighty have fallen. It's what it's what I live for. I've seen it being the other way around, where we're not even as we were worse than what they really are, but their fans just don't know what it was like, what it's like. Um being seventh at the moment, they've got a game in hand over West Ham to go sixth. That's not good enough for them. At the start of the season, they were talking about a Premier League challenge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of people believed in that, myself included. I, I thought we'd have a four-way race, but looking back, I mean, so many people must have got that wrong. And, and not just wrong, but seriously wrong. I yeah, mean, I think I think most people had them in the top four at least. Yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah. I think I I think I had them fourth. I think Reese did as well. Possibly, I can't remember what you had, George. But like, yeah, it's they're twenty three points off top. Like, for someone who's meant to put on a title challenge, that's just not acceptable. No, I mean I I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I'd like to say I feel bad, um, but you know, United United fans have had it good for a long time. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to where to begin, but pretty much since Ferguson left, and I stand by the point, Ferguson knew when he left exactly what he was doing. He he knew the team was in decline. He, he definitely wouldn't have ever foreseen this kind of decline, but he he knew what he was doing, and, and he left at the right time, as as we've seen. I just think it's hard to give them any kind of positives at the minute. And I know that sounds bad, but look at the squad. You've got Ronaldo, you know, Bruno, Sancho, mega money signing, you know, Rashford. I know, you know, he, he's shown glimmers of, of potential, but I just, where has it gone wrong for United? And where, I, I guess it, it's more about the next steps. Where do they go from here? You know, we've seen rumours of the new managers. Could a new manager save them, I guess, is what I'm asking? Or is that just a cop-out? I mean, we've been saying about the next steps with Man United for nearly 10 years, you know, since Ferguson left. Um, they're putting all this pressure on themselves because they keep comparing themselves to that insanely successful era. You know, they need to understand that sometimes... When you know when you looked at when Ferguson left, how many of those players were on the verge of retirement? You know, perhaps needed you know players that were very loyal to Ferguson. So whoever was coming in was going to be under a lot of pressure. And as you see, Moyes wasn't able to deliver. 
Van Howe in their eyes was not able to deliver. Mourinho wasn't able to deliver in their eyes either. And it's just gone on and on and on and on. They need to understand that it's a new era for May United. Just start again. Start fresh. Give this new manager time. If there's a project in place, then there's much more potential to get better. And at the moment, there's no project in place. There seems to be a quick, you know, put a plaster over the over the leak or something like that. And it's just got worse and worse and worse. And you see decent teams, you think, oh, you know, that maybe they will turn it around. But you look at the players in this team and you think, how are they not turning it around? What is going wrong? Ranić has to take some responsibility. Although I do feel for him, I think he's very well spoken and I think he is trying to do what he can. But when you're putting in a bloke who's who's only supposed to be there till the end of the season, how can you really get behind him and adjust to a whole new regime just for, what, six months? Yes. Yeah. I think the, the, the interim scenario, was it was it ever really going to work? I, I don't know. I saw a I lot do of... Feel like- it was like a write-off of their season. They went, we'll put him as interim, season's yeah. written off. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like, what kind of... They were still in... I still think they, were, they weren't They were out of the title. They probably were out of the title race, to be honest, but they were still in the cups. Like, you, still got, you can still win some silver and have a slightly positive season. Even if you're not going to win the league, if you're getting to, like, I don't know, the quarter-final, semi-final of the Champions League, possibly even get into the final with the FA Cup, there still would have been a better season for how poorly they've started. Now, like, I just... you got to look at it and you think they've got to get rid of so much of their players. I think I, they're obviously speaking about Pogba's... I don't know if it's up this season or next season. It's one of the two. Get rid of him. He has been the... I think he's been the biggest transfer flop of the Premier League era. But how much he costs, considering he left United for free and United already had him in his ranks to get him back for 90 million. And then he's won, what, Europa? He's won a Carabao Cup and maybe an FA Cup. He's, it's just been awful. And then you've got, you've got so many players there that are just not good enough that have been overhyped by United fans. Wan-Bissaka being one. There were talks of him being on par with Trent Walker and he and they were like oh but he's a great defender he's not even doing that this season I don't think he's I don't think he's awful but he's not what United's standards are and also he's not a player for the counter attack like Solskjaer was was he exactly I think he'd be better as a centre-back personally because I don't think he's in that formation in that sort of tactic share great technical player just leave him at centre-back he's a big guy there was a clip. There was a clip I saw of the weekend game where he put in a cross. There, there was no power to it. There was no placement to it. It just went straight to an Everton defender, and even Everton's defence didn't have a problem with that crossing. Their defence is dreadful, and they comfortably got rid of it. And you saw Ronaldo stropping on the edge of the box, kind of thing. Then there's so much that can go. Like is is just. I think it's just a toxic environment. Like I've seen sort of um Carragher mention like Ronaldo's the problem. On the pitch, Ronaldo isn't the problem. He's saved them several times. But off the pitch, I think he might be. 
I don't think there was as many sort of toxic traits before he came in to what it is now. I'm not saying it's purely on him, but he's got to be a reason for it. But even going back to, to Solskjaer, you know, a player of Solskjaer's kind of career and quality, obviously he had a great career, but you imagine him trying to tell Ronaldo what to do and Ronaldo's probably sitting there sort of arrogantly going, I'm better than you ever were. And he probably believes he knows more about the game. Um, obviously, Ragnick's been put in a very tough position, but but Reese, I think you're probably right. The kind of Easter rebirth reference is really what United need right now, and, and they're just going to have to kind of suck it up and and accept it that that this this United side genuinely might not be able to challenge for the Prem for a good five years, and and sadly, you know. I, I don't know that Newcastle could be up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A Newcastle Man United title race in 10 years, maybe. But as uh, we're talking about the rebirth of United and the rumours, I don't think it's a done deal, but Ten Hag, what do we think? Is he going to be someone who can give that rebirth resurrection for United? He's, he's a better option than Potticino, but the United board have to understand that they've got to have this project in place if it's going to take three four or as ten Hag has already suggested five years you might have to give him that time because two there's very much a, in football now is very much just chop and change mentality and in a way it doesn't necessarily work if you have a project in place you can get that stability in players will go they will go to man united and if they know there's a project in place they will sign you know they won't just go for a one season paycheck, they will go to actually believe in it. And it is going to take time. And I think Ten Hag can do it. Um, it's just whether the board and the fans give him the patience and that breathing space. Yeah. Well, he's definitely a better option than Poch. Speaking of time, we are out of it for this week's episode. As always, like, comment and subscribe. You know the drill.